The title of the message this morning is The Victorious Attitude. That's what I'm speaking to you about today. The Victorious Attitude. Who knows, maybe you're even making some notes as you're listening in your home and you can jot that down, The Victorious Attitude. And I'm trusting that the Lord is going to speak to our hearts today. I want to remind you that when you hear the Word of God, that you need to open your heart to God's Word that there needs to be a receptivity because we want the Word of God to find soft and fertile soil so that it produces results. And so I'm looking forward to sharing this Word with you, uh, which is based out of Habakkuk. And we'll get to that in a few moments' time. You can actually turn so long to Habakkuk chapter 3. We'll get there shortly. So the victorious attitude is the title of this message. And the previous message that I shared with you was entitled A Victorious Passover. And so in keeping with that theme or tone of victory, this message is entitled The Victorious Attitude. And I pray that even just as I say those words, the victorious attitude, that there would just be a receptivity in your heart that God can speak to you right now. Now, whenever I think about attitude, this concept, or I speak about the attitude aspect, there's something that always comes to mind. I'm reminded about an essential instrument in an aircraft. And uh, many of you would know about this instrument. Others of you would not know about it but it's called an attitude indicator. Can you believe that? In an aircraft, there is a gauge and it's called an attitude indicator. So I'm not saying altitude, I'm talking in this case, attitude indicator. And it indicates nose high attitude or nose down attitude. The pilot's listening to me now, listening very carefully, making sure that I'm gonna get this right, I'll do my best. I'm not a pilot, but pilots have to watch this gauge, the attitude indicator, very carefully, especially in adverse conditions. They have to watch this. They have to keep this uh, uh, indicator, this meter, this gauge closely under observation. And the pilot is very important that he must trust his gauge more than he trusts his feelings. And even if he feels like the plane is ascending, but the gauge is indicating that it is nose down, he must pull up. It's essential because else the plane will crash. Sometimes your feelings should not be relied on. (laughs) And you need to go on what the gauge is saying. You need to go on the things of what the Word of God is saying. But in terms of a pilot flying an aircraft, this is literally life and death can result when you are not watching your gauge properly. And I believe that this is a time where we are facing this tremendous uh, pandemic in the world. This is a time where as believers, we need to be watching the gauge properly as how our attitude of heart is in this time. And so the aim with all of this, the attitude uh, attitude indicator is this, keep flying in a nose high attitude. I mean, that could virtually be the title of the message this morning. Keep flying in a nose high attitude. I think that's a wonderful statement. And I want to look at a scripture passage that illustrates a nose high attitude. 
and we find this from Habakkuk. Habakkuk. It's Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17 to 19. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now, please, as I share this, let the Word of God sink in. Don't just let it fly over your head. It says, Habakkuk speaking, he says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the vine produce its fruit, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Listen to this. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Wow. Doesn't that sound like a a nose high attitude? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Child of God, would you be inspired by, by Habakkuk, by the choice that he made? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And it goes on to say, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. This is what we should be declaring now. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high heels. Can you imagine what Habakkuk was facing in this situation? There were circumstances around him that were very hard, very disappointing, very discouraging. And so I'd like to ask you this question. If you were in Habakkuk's situation, how would you respond? And maybe you walk out on your little farming property, perhaps that Habakkuk had in those days, and you walk out and you look at the fig tree and you see, ah, there's no blossoms. (laughs) You walk walk to the grapevine and and usually every year you get grapes from your grapevine, but now there's no grapes on the vine. How would you feel? How would you feel if there was a failed olive harvest? How would you feel if you look at your fields and you see, There's no grain. This is what Habakkuk was experiencing. Or how would you feel when there's stalls, but there's no sheep in the stalls? There's no livestock. There's no cattle in the stalls. How would you feel? How would you respond? Well, Habakkuk, he did the following. He chose to be cheerful in God. This is a word for us now, child of God. He chose to be cheerful in God when his circumstance didn't look very good. And may I ask you at this point in time, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you choosing to be joyful in God? Because I want to say to you that there are choices that you have to be making at this point in time. You can have two people facing the same circumstances, but one is making a choice which is honoring to God and the other one is making a choice which is causing their plane to crash. How are you choosing in this time? And I want to urge you, if you maybe haven't been making the right heart choices, the right choices of of attitude and outlook, would you lift up your eyes today? I want to say to you that the Lord is a shield around you and He is the one who anoints your head with oil and He lifts up your head. And so today, as you're listening, you might be challenging what I'm saying, but I want to let you know that things can change right now as we are together, right now under the influence of the Word of God. Come on, let faith arise in our hearts today. 
And so we see that in the situation that Habakkuk chose to be cheerful in God. Now, out of the scripture, I'd like to share five things with you that I believe that we can take to heart and learn from this passage. Point number one of five things I want to say, the victorious attitude will rejoice even when the outlook is good. That's something that we've seen out of this passage. The victorious attitude will rejoice even when the outlook isn't good. Let's just pause for a moment and just consider this aspect of attitude. What is attitude? And uh, there's many definitions that you could find on, on uh, the internet and so on. But really, it is what you are really thinking and believing on the inside about things that are taking place on the outside. I want to say that again. What is attitude? It is what you are really thinking and believing inside. Maybe you don't even tell anybody about situations that you are facing on the outside. And that's why it's so important that we would believe rightly. It's so important that we need to have a positive attitude, a positive uh, outlook, a positive mindset. And I want to say that when we talk about having a positive attitude, this is not a secular concept. First and foremost, this is a God concept. Because we see in the Word of God that despite everything Habakkuk said, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. And yes, many secular people and ideologies take this on as a concept. But first and fundamentally, having an outlook which is one of hope and being positive is a godly thing. But if I could modernize this passage, because maybe you say, well, John, I don't really have <coughs> vines in the backyard. I don't have figs, man. You know, I, I don't, I've got a dog, but I ain't got cattle and things like that in my yard. But if I could modernize this passage of scripture, maybe it would read the following. It would sound something like this. Though my pantry is running low and the cost of living continues to rise, though my car is giving me hassles, and the washing machine breaks down. Though the world is facing a global pandemic and I'm forced into lockdown, hello. Though my work falls behind and my family uses up all the Wi-Fi, I'm sure you can relate to that. Though I don't reach my monthly target and the financial markets tumble, though I face hardship and everything seems upside down, or dirmakar, as that Afrikaans word says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Does that make it a little bit more real about the things that you and I are facing at this point in time? And so Habakkuk was facing different things back then to what we are facing now, but on the whole, it's facing a picture which is not that great. And there's this declaration, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And I think to myself, what a wonderful attitude. What a victorious attitude. And we can certainly learn from Habakkuk. One of the well-known Bible commentators, his name is Matthew Henry. He says the following, Habakkuk decided to delight and triumph in the Lord. For when all is gone, God is not gone. Destroy the vines and the figs and you'll make a worldly person's happiness disappear. But those who delight and trust in the Lord will remain steadfast. That's you, child of God. 
They can even sit on a heap of ruins and then even praise the Lord. They can rejoice even in their greatest distress. Why? Because there's a source of enablement which comes from God. A source by the Spirit of God that enables and empowers us. And also just to say that sometimes in tough situations, we need to remind ourselves that this too shall pass. <laughs> Something I learned years ago, a phrase, and it's this, valleys aren't permanent. But sometimes when you're in the valley, it can feel like this thing feels like it's going to last forever. I mean, golly. But I want to just tell you, let's get some bigger perspective right now. Valleys are not permanent. And I declare over you that this too shall pass in Jesus' name. Valleys are not permanent. And we can still rejoice in the Lord. And that well-known scripture from Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. There's one ver word I'd like to highlight there. And it's the word always. Child of God. The Lord calls you to rejoice always. You say, God, do I have to rejoice in a lockdown? Do I have to rejoice in a time when economically things are not that great? And the Lord says to you, yes, rejoice always. And so that's point number one. The victorious attitude will rejoice even when the outlook isn't good. Number two. The victorious attitude sets its focus on high places. There's something about a victorious attitude that doesn't look down and, and look at the, the lower things, but begins to look high and begins to lift its vision. And so the victorious attitude sets its focus on high places. In other words, the victorious attitude sets its, its uh, vision or its focus on victory. It sets its focus on winning, on blessing, on succeeding by God's power. This is not a self-help uh, situation. This is not a self-help program. This is a God-help program. And God helps His people. He's an ever-present help in time of need. And so this is what the victorious attitude does. It sets its focus on high places, on victory, on blessing, and certainly not on defeat. Now, in the passage that we've just read, there's something which could easily be overlooked, and it's in verse 19, Habakkuk 3, verse 19. It says, the Lord God is my strength. This is what the writer is declaring now. But listen to this. He will make my feet like deer's feet. That's an interesting thing. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills. That sounds victorious to me. Now, the hind or the deer, as is referred to in this passage, is an interesting antelope in terms of the way in which it can move on high places, on rocky places, on high hills. Because the rear feet follow precisely in the tracks of the front feet. Very interesting. So the front feet go and they find two places to put themselves and to grip. And then the rear feet follow through and go into the exact same place that the front feet go into. And I love the fact that Habakkuk is declaring that this is how God makes your feet 
This is how God makes my feet as a child of God. And so what is the significance? The significance is that the hind or the deer in this sense is sure-footed. It is well able to scale the heights. It is more able to conquer. And quite, quite simply put, it's like this. It is designed to win. And I want to say to you, let that sink in for a moment. You are designed to win. Why? Because when you receive the blood of Jesus applied to your heart, you receive the DNA of an overcomer. You are designed to win. You are designed to scale the heights. And uh, my dad, years ago, he was so fascinated with this passage of scripture that he even wrote a book on this called Scaling the Heights with God. Now, how do we apply this to our personal lives? Because it's great to think about this image of uh, the hind, the deer and the front feet and the back feet going into exactly the same place. But how do we apply this into our lives? And I believe that there is a very specific way in which we can apply this. Listen carefully. You see, when we confess God's will and purpose with our mouths, that is the front feet. And then when our hearts follow through and believe what we've confessed about God's will and purpose, then that's the back feet coming into the same place. And that causes us to truly experience victory. We reach those heights. Let me say it again. So the front feet are the confession of God's will and purpose. You confess God's will. You confess God's purpose. And those are the front feet. And then the back feet come into those same positions of believing what has been declared. It's so important. And this is a principle that can help you win. And I want to encourage our people, the people of God in the kingdom. I want to encourage us to win by the confession of our mouth being followed through with the belief of our hearts. And by the way, the scripture says in Romans 10.10 that with the mouth confession is made and with the heart we believe. Wow. Let me say that again. With the mouth confession is made and with the heart we believe. And so we need to believe. And I want to say to you, it's not enough to just confess God's word, God's will, God's purpose. You also need to follow through with believing in your heart. Let me give you an example. Maybe you are in financial need right now. And so what can you do? Well, you can start off with making a confession out of your mouth. What could that confession be? Well, why don't you confess God's word that says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. So there's the confession. But you cannot just stop there. Then you need to follow through. And in your heart of hearts, you believe and you trust in what God is saying. And then you scale the heights. Then you experience the victory. The result is breakthrough and um, breakthrough and provision as a result of that. And so I want to say that it's great to confess, but please don't just stop at confessing uh, God's will and purpose. Follow through. We have to believe and then we will be established. That's point number two. The victorious attitude sets its focus on high places. The confession of the mouth followed with the believing of the heart leads to being on high places. Amen. Come on, 
Say to somebody next to you, Amen. Amen. Point number three, the victorious attitude places will ahead of emotions. Think, think about that for a moment. The victorious attitude places will in front of, ahead of emotions. I'm sure you've heard of the, uh, the expression, putting the cart before the horse. Uh, it's a well-known expression. And when you hear that expression, it's like crazy. You don't put a cart before the horse. You have the horse, you attach the cart, and that's how you can make progress. Well, uh, this is exactly what happens putting the cart before the horse when we place our emotions ahead of our will. And quite simply, it's the wrong way to live. And I believe that maybe in this time of, of lockdown, of socially being isolated from people, when we so want to be together with our family and friends, and, and because we receive encouragement from that, it's easy that our emotions are starting to lead us in that time. No, nope, bad idea. That's not a good idea. I want to say that your will in agreement with God's will and purposes needs to lead you on a day by day basis. Because if you live with your emotions leading you, you will not experience victory. Now, I shared a verse with you um, just the other day from Psalm 42, 11, and I'd like to read it to you again. It's, it's about putting your hope in God. It says, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you disquieted within me? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I want to tell you, David was applying the victorious attitude right here. Because essentially, he was placing his will before his emotions. In other words, he told his emotions what to do. And in this time where discouragement can come upon you like a blanket, I want to say to you, you tell your emotions what to do based on the will of God and the purposes of God in your life. You tell and you take authority and you stand up. You stand up in faith and you stand up and you be sure-footed. And so it's important that um, we live with placing our will ahead of our emotions because um, if we don't do that, it will lead to an unstable life. But if we will live with our will aligned with God's will, then we will make good progress. I'm sure every one of you listening, you want to make good progress, even in this time, when productivity levels are not maybe at the highest. You want to make good progress. And I want to just read this. It's uh, 2 Chronicles 20 verse 20. It says, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. And I want to tell you, when you are operating with your will being aligned to the word of God, you are believing in the Lord your God and it says you will be established. And I just speak that as a rhema word over some of you today, that as you're going to place your will aligned with God's will first, believing in God, you will be established. Let fear be dispelled in Jesus' name and you will be established. You will be established, I declare it. And so our emotions should not be like a roller coaster, up and down, but rather we should depend on God's spirit to help stabilize our emotions. May I remind you, child of God, 
that our relationship with the Holy Spirit helps bring stability in our emotions. <laughs> it's so wonderful, the fruit that the Spirit of God produces in our lives. He produces fruit like self-control. He produces peace. He produces patience. And our precious Holy Spirit, He's the one that produces this in our lives. And you know what? In so doing, He produces stability in your life. Let me also just say this. Do you realize that God's emotional state is consistent? Do you realize that? He's not up and down like a sewing machine. God's emotional state is consistent. He most certainly does express emotions, but his emotions will never rule him. He will express emotions as we do. But let me say this, as, as we depend on God, order will come into our emotional state of being. And it's so wonderful that this can be the reality. So we look into God. We're saying, God, help me in my emotions at this point in time. And he brings order and he brings stability. You might say, John, well, why are you talking about this? Why are you talking about placing will ahead of emotions? Because sometimes when we're not doing this and we're in a home and, and we're locked down together with our family, our emotions can get out of whack and we can start to be ugly to people around about us. And we can start to let our emotions go, go haywire. And I want to say to you, child of God, you're better than that. Let your will align with the will of God and His Word lead during this time. Don't let your emotions fling you around. Don't let the tail wag the dog. But praise God that we can live in order, in personal peace, by the power of the Holy Spirit in this global pandemic. So that was point number three. The victorious attitude places will ahead of emotions. And if you're with me, can I just hear an amen? Why don't you just, if there's people in the room with you, just say amen, amen. There are five things. Now, number four that I want to share with you. The victorious attitude, listen to this, sees potential when facing hardship. The victorious attitude sees potential when facing hardship. There's a scripture that I love to refer to. It challenges me every time I read it. And it's the scripture in James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4 in the New Living Translation. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, sounds like what we're facing right now. When trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, as it is in this time, uh, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So notice this phrase that our text says. It says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I want to tell you, that's a winning attitude. This is what point number four says. The victorious attitude sees potential when facing hardship. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. And the other translation, the older translation says, count it all joy. Why? Why should we be counting it all joy when we're facing these things? Because God is at work in our lives. 
in these times when things are a little bit more difficult. Child of God, listen to me. It's a beautiful moment of God working in your life. You say, God, I don't want this right now. But God says, won't you just embrace it? Because I'm working in you. I'm fashioning you. I'm shaping you. And this life that we live in, in this world, is a preparation for the world to come. So God, prepare me. God, shape me. God, have your way in my life. Let me tell you this. Some of us used to be rather unpleasant to be around. (laughs) And uh, please don't look at anybody around you now and eyeball them. Don't give them a hairy eyeball. But some of us used to be rather unpleasant to be around. But as we've continued to walk in the Lord, God has changed us. Some of us used to be highly opinionated. Some of us used to be very arrogant. I would say in my younger years, I was an arrogant person. Some of us used to be insensitive and rude. Some of us used to be full of pride. Some of us used to be easily offended. The slightest thing happens and we're like, you know, bent out of joint. We're easily offended. Some of us used to be so impatient. But because God is working in our lives, He is making us more beautiful. He is making us more like Jesus. There's somebody in my family. I won't mention his name. But somebody in my family who used to be very highly opinionated and, and I think he used to think a lot of himself. The Bible says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. And he used to have a motto. This was a mo- his motto. Step on toes, they heal. <laughs> Quite a motto. <laughs> he also used to have a sticker on the back of his car which said the following. It said, as a matter of fact, I do own the road. And in his student years, that was uh, how he was. And so God then graciously began to work in his life. And do you know that in times of difficulty, the work of God seemed to be all the more profound in his life. But I can tell you that that family member of mine has become more like Jesus because God has graciously worked in his life. And I want to tell you that God is working in your life at this point in time. Listen to that. God is working. So what do you need to do? You need to be like the clay on the potter's wheel where you allow God. And you say, God, even though it's hard right now, I'm going to embrace it. Make me more like your son in this time. Make me more like Jesus. Because God loves you so much that he will use situations to bring about good. And the things that the enemy may have intended for evil, God will use them for good in your life. And he's busy doing it right now. And I pray that God even opens your eyes, that you would see that he is busy doing that right now. I heard this statement by a pastor friend. He says, never let a good crisis go to waste. (laughs) Never let a good crisis go to waste. We're in a time of crisis now. Let's not let it go to waste. Let's let God work in our lives. Let's embrace what He's doing because He's going to use it for good. And so that's point number four. The victorious attitude sees potential when facing hardship. There's one last point. The fifth point I'd like to share with you today. Number five, the victorious attitude fills its heart with thanks and praise to God. 
Why don't you say that with me? The victorious attitude fills its heart with thanks and praise to God. One of the beautiful examples of this is Paul and Silas. If you've got your Bible, maybe you can look at Acts 16, verse 22 to 26. And as you read this, appreciate the severity of what Paul and Silas were facing. It says the following. It says, the crowds joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. This is no fun. They stripped, they're getting beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received his orders, he put them into the inner dungeon. This is not the nicest cell. This is probably the worst cell. And fastened their feet in stocks. Now listen to this. Listen to people with a victorious attitude. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What an attitude. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I want to tell you that even in this time, people are listening to how you are responding to a crisis. And they were seeing that in this crisis, that while Paul and Silas are in prison, they're hearing, these guys are worshiping. What is wrong with them? Because they're connected to the God of hope. And so they were listening to them. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once, here's the miracle. The prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I want to tell you, what's the principle? It is amazing what God will do when you will praise Him in a crisis. Wow. Let me say that again. It's amazing what God will do when you will praise Him in a crisis, when you will praise Him in a storm. I speak to your spirit right now in Jesus' name. And I speak a release of praise from your heart that you will not be intimidated by the situation of the devil. In Jesus' name, I speak it to you. I say, arise in Jesus' name. Let praise rise up. Let praise, we ain't gonna let no rocks outpraise us. Praise is gonna arise in the name of Jesus. And so Paul and Silas, aren't they brilliant examples of the victorious attitude, an attitude of praise? What were Paul and Silas doing? They were doing exactly what Habakkuk was doing so many years ago. Wow. Folks, these illustrations of Habakkuk, of Paul and Silas, they are given to you and me for our learning. But learn it. Take it in. That you will go into this day with praise. And it says in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14, as I'm drawing to a close, it says, Now, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. That's his will and purpose for you. And then it goes on to say, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Child of God, in this time, this pandemic, the coronavirus, God is wanting even through your life for there to be a fragrance that comes out. And it is entirely possible by the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Spirit of God. And so the final outcome of what I'm really saying to you today is that God wants you to be victorious. I want to tell you unashamedly, God made you to win. Say that with me. God made me to win. One more time. God made me to win. 
And so we've been talking about the victorious attitude. We said, number one, the victorious attitude will rejoice even when the outlook isn't good. Number two, the victorious attitude sets its focus on high places, the feet of the high, scale in the heights. Number three, the victorious attitude places its will ahead of emotions. Number four, the victorious attitude sees potential when facing hardship. And number five, the victorious attitude fills its heart with thanks and praise to God, like Paul and Silas, like Habakkuk. And I'd like to just end off before we pray, reading from Habakkuk again, this time in a different translation. Let it sink in a little deeper. Maybe you can even just close your eyes as I read this. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19 in the Good News Bible. It says, Even though the fig trees have no fruit and no grapes grow on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no gain, grain, even though the sheep all die and the cattle stalls are empty. Listen to this. I will still be joyful and glad because the Lord God is my Savior. Why? All of this can happen of rejoicing because of God. The sovereign Lord gives me strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer and keeps me safe on the mountain hills. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us today. I thank you that your word always brings life. I thank you that your word will never return to you void. And so, Lord, I speak victory over the people of God that are listening to this right now. I speak victory in Jesus' name and I declare that you will not be overcome, that you will not be heavy hearted and burdened, but I declare that you will be victorious through Jesus Christ. Lord, we surrender those attitudes of defeat. We lay them at your feet. We see them as unrighteous and unfruitful and we take on the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. We take on the beauty for ashes and we thank you that we can can rejoice and that you will turn despair into uh, rejoicing, that you will turn mourning into dancing. And so child of, child of God, I bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace. God bless you. And thank you for being with us today. If you're watching this on Facebook, maybe you'd like to just share this so that other people can benefit from it. God bless you. Be in peace.